Do not take product if you are hypersensitive. Everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Intoxicated Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah McClellan. Typically, this is a comedy podcast where I get personal with friends, comedians, and various guests, sometimes over a drink or two. This week, I finally decided to put together a tribute episode for Andrew Vaughn, the big cat, our friend, and one of the best comedians this scene has ever seen. Not even this scene across Canada. This is a tough one, but I also think that this episode will bring comfort to people who are missing Andrew and are feeling that loss just as much as I am. So not only are a lot of people dealing with this grief, this terrible loss, um, but we are also dealing with self-isolation and quarantine and the COVID-19 crisis, which is causing so much anxiety and stress and Um, despair across the world. So it is um, a very shitty time, um, if I'm being, again, fully honest. Uh, I have not been doing well, um, in the sake of honesty. I have not. Uh, I have had decent days where I've, you know, tried to be as normal as I can. And I've had some really bad days uh, in terms of the grief process. I've, you know, I've had days where I haven't been able to get out of bed because I've just been so overcome. Um, So I'm still feeling this really hard, but I thought it was important to do a tribute episode to Andrew. He had such an impact on this podcast and on my life as a person. Um, And as you will hear in this episode, I have some messages from people who knew him and people who were impacted by him. And what I love the most about the variety of clips I have is it shows the range of people that Andrew has sort of inspired and impacted. We are going to hear from somebody who's known him for 18 years. We're going to hear from his comedian, colleagues and friends. Um, you're going to hear actually just from somebody who who worked with him through Yuck Yucks. So there's a wide variety of people included in this episode, but I do want to mention that this has been so hard on so many people and, you know, not everyone who probably wanted to send in a message could. And I totally understand. And Andrew would understand. You know what I mean? That's um, really tough dealing with this. And we all sort of deal with the grief process in our own ways. Some people like talking about memories and stories and sort of expressing that outwards. Other people aren't ready. Um, and it was not always easy for me making this. I've had to go back through hours and hours of content of Andrew, which I'm so grateful for, by the way, and um, listen through to find some clips. And while I think it's important that I did that, and I a part of me loved doing it, it was also really hard. So to those people who aren't ready, who loved Andrew so much, that's okay. Um, this one, you know, this one, this one was hard for everybody. Um, but like I said, I think it's important to hear um, the things these people are saying and also the clips that I picked out from past episodes. I just, oh God, I, I miss him so much. And um, 
I know for a fact that he would want me to just get back to it. You know, he would want me to just carry on. So next week, it will be a regular intoxicated episode I recorded weeks and weeks ago um, with my friend Alva. And it's a really good episode. So that one will be out next week on time. Unlike this one, which is late, I know. But um, whew, it's been rough. I, you know, that's my excuse is that it's been <laughs> incredibly rough. So this episode goes out to the friends and family of Andrew Vaughn. And it is for Andrew Vaughn. And it represents the common threads that you might notice throughout this episode, which is that Andrew was a loving and supportive person in the comedy scene. He only wanted, he's the, he was the type of person who wanted to help others, no matter what, no matter how he sort of helped in his own Andrew way. Um, he had nothing but good intentions for this comedy scene because he loved comedy so much, so much. And that's really going to show throughout this episode. Um, he had such a love and commitment to comedy. He was such a pillar of this scene. And another thing, too, is is that I do want to say a big thank you to anyone who's reached out to me personally during this time. Um, I've had a lot of people reach out, like, you know, from close friends to even just people who know me through social media. And I just want to give a big thank you for that. Um, I haven't been myself. I haven't really been talking a lot to people. Like, you know, I've talked to a select few people, but, you know, I've gotten countless offers to to talk and have people listen. And again, grief is grief is fucked how you deal with it. And I just haven't been able to do that yet. But I cannot say thank you enough to anyone who's reached out. I also had a friend send me a Sephora e-gift card, which is like beyond nice. Uh, and I did want to shout out her business, Lupin Design Studios, um, which is a custom stationery company. So... So thank you so much, Andrea, for the very nice gesture. Like, seriously blown away by that. Um, and as we all know right now, we need to support local businesses. So please check out Lupin Design Studios if you have a wedding coming up um, or any other stationary needs. Check her business out. And I want to give a special thank you to some of, you know, Andrew's friends that are kind of my friends as well, who kind of together in this We've kind of helped each other through it via a group chat, um, a group chat that was formed literally the night we all found out and has been going ever since. It's been a huge source of support and um, I'm very thankful for that. I did also want to give a huge thank you to Andrew's roommate, Richard, who in all of this craziness um, had to kind of step into a logistics role right away. Um, and for that, I think all of us are thankful. So big thank you to Richard. He had to be strong in a way that we didn't have to be at the time. And that's very important to mention. Um, and of course, um, all of Andrew's family, um, you guys are in our thoughts always. And this episode is for you. I also want to mention Andrew Evans, who did the GoFundMe. Such an incredible job doing that. And, um, that GoFundMe has raised... Almost $7,000. Um, it raised a total of $6,735. And that is going to Andrew's family. And that's just, again, that just goes to show um, what an impact he had. 
So big thank you to Andrew Evans for for organizing that. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of get right to it. This intro has been tough for me. I just keep rambling. Um, <laughs> so before I get to this episode, I'm gonna let you know about the links that I'm going to include in the description of this episode. I'm gonna include a link to Andrew's album. Too Fat to Go Kart. I highly recommend checking that out and listening to that. I'm also going to include a link to our YouTube channel, which now has a playlist of everything Andrew Vaughn has ever done on Intoxicated. Um, so all his episodes, all the live streams he was a part of, and of course his set from the third anniversary live show. So I will include that as well. And also a link to his Facebook page, which is now sort of an in memoriam. On there you can read so many posts from his friends and family about Andrew. So check those out. Um, But coming up now, I'm going to play some clips from people who sent them in. We are going to start off with his good friend Corinne. Corinne and her husband Scott um, sent in a lovely video with lots of stories about Andrew. So this one is about a half an hour. Um, But Corinne has some great stories in here about Andrew, like funny and heartfelt, like just a wide variety of stories. And Corinne has actually known Andrew for 18 years. So a long time to know somebody. So now we're gonna get to the first clip from Corinne and Scott. Hello, Sarah. Hello. (laughs) I don't know if you've met Scott. This is Scott. Hey. (laughs) This is Corinne. Um, since it's only, I wanted to just do this sooner rather than later, since it's only been, uh, three days since Andrew died. Um, and I haven't been able to do all the things that people would normally do when they lose someone close to them, just sitting around social distancing, not very good for healthy and effective mourning, but I really appreciate that. You decided you wanted to collect stories about Andrew. Uh, As you probably know, he and I were friends for about 18 years. I'm sorry we didn't get to celebrate our 20-year friend anniversary, but 18 years is a pretty good run. It's literally like half of my life um, and half of his since he was exactly one month younger than me, um, which made his birthday very easy to remember. And anyway, I've written a whole bunch of notes, little stories, how I met Andrew. And of course, Scott's known him a long time too. I've met, uh, introduced Scott to Andrew not long after we started dating back in like 2007, I think. I think it was at Strange Adventures, like at their old location. That's where you met Andrew? I think so. Really? It wasn't before, it wasn't at the Halloween party in 2007? Oh, no, yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you would have been. Anyway, we'll get there. That's like many years into the into oh, yes. the story. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting out of <laughs> um, So anyway, yeah, I met Andrew when I was 18. My first boyfriend, John, who I met up in Fredericton, where we were going to school. Uh, he when when we were home for a break after we started dating, he took me up to the Blockbuster in Sackville to introduce me to uh, to. Andrew. Andrew was living with his brother in Sackville at the time. And I liked him right away. Like he just, to me, he was likable from the instant that I saw him just um, warm and kind and those those big kind eyes, right? And, uh, and anyway, John was, uh, 
John was living down in Bridgewater with his parents for the summer. So I actually started hanging out with Andrew because Andrew was in Sackville and I was in uh, Muscadabit Valley and I was working in Halifax. So we would hang out sometimes after after my workday, go to a movie, go to the mall, that kind of thing, um, off and on, which was really nice, right? Um, to make a new friend through your boyfriend and realize that, oh, there's a reason I'm dating this guy. I get along well with his friends. And... Uh, <laughs> by hanging out with Andrew, that's how I found out that one of the reasons that I got dragged around to be introduced to all his friends is that they didn't believe that he had a girlfriend, <laughs> uh, that that was, he thought, they thought he was bullshitting. And I understand why, because my first boyfriend was definitely a bullshitter. Uh, even when I met up with him years later, nice guy, still a bullshitter, just full of it. Anyway, that doesn't matter. Um, but I do remember, too, that at that point in time, in like 2002, 2003, that Andrew's life plan was just to find a box of money. I think that was actually his grad prophecy, um, <laughs> was just to to find a box of money and go off and live his life. Realistically, like probably the pretty, pretty sound financial plan. Yeah, but you know, it actually happened when a few years later, one of his relatives died and left him an inheritance. See? So he got a box of money. (laughs) It was enough for him to buy like a really nice MacBook or not MacBook, a really nice iMac and some other bits and bobs, like an aunt, I think it was. It was actually kind of a sweet story. I remember him telling me that, that his aunt was one of the first people who met him when he was born. And she thought he was the cutest baby he'd ever seen. So she mm. left some money to him in, the, in his will. And he was a very cute kid. I've seen pictures of him from when he was a kid. <laughs> um, but, oh, yeah. And then later, either that summer or the next summer. So it was either 2000, summer 2002 or summer 2003. This is so funny. Um, I remember going to Risser's Beach in Bridgewater with my boyfriend and with Andrew and their friend Bob and all these guys had gone to high school together, of course. And Andrew was the first person I ever knew who owned a digital camera. And it was one of the ones that took the floppy disks. It was like the Sony first generation digital camera with the full size floppy disk. <laughs> and I remember at Risher's Beach, Bob taking this camera from Andrew, shoving it down his pants and like first generation dick pic, right? Like, <laughs> And what I don't remember, and I'm sure that somebody else who was there that day could remember better than I can, whether whether Andrew found it right away or whether Andrew had to find the photo to realize that Bob had taken a picture of his dick with Andrew's <laughs> digital camera. So, which, yeah, anyway. <laughs> and then uh, fall of 2002, Andrew moved to New Brunswick. He moved up to Frederick and he decided to start going to school with with me and with and with his friend John, who I was dating at the time. And uh, ironically, Andrew finished his degree and John dropped out after three years, I think. Um, and Andrew ended up living in New Brunswick for five or six years, I think. So I remember his first apartment in New Brunswick was uh, up in Fredericton was on, um, was kind of, oh, I don't remember which direction it was, but it was, uh, on the other side of town from where my dorm was. And anyway, I, I had a car at the time and I uh, drove over to visit him one day. And then didn't I lock my goddamn keys in the car while it was running? Like I went in to get something from him or do something. And I locked my car, car keys in while it was running. So I had to race back into his apartment. And 
and I didn't even have, I, I don't think I had a cell phone at the time, or if I did, it was in the car. And we had to scrounge around his entire apartment um, for every penny of change in that entire apartment, like just a dime here, penny here, probably stole some money from his roommate because we just, I, I needed enough money to get a cab to go back to my dorm and uh, get uh, get someone to drive me over with my spare set of keys. But uh, anyway, he saved my butt that day for sure. But backtracking to like 2002, when Andrew moved up to New Brunswick, we became uh, film festival buddies. That was one of the things we had. And of course, you know, I met him at a blockbuster. I knew he liked movies because I don't know if you could put up with working there if he didn't like move, look like movies. But anyway, I, I was a, um, I wrote for the school paper and I had a pass for the Tidal Wave Film Festival. So I, uh, uh, so I asked Andrew if he wanted to go to some movies with me. And he actually, I think he bought a pass, which, you know, to buy one. I had a free one from the newspaper, but he bought a pass. And we went to like two movies a night for three nights or something, I think. Hmm. It was both of us. It was like the first time we saw a hardcore logo, which was super cool mm-hmm. and very defining when you're 19, right? Like that's the that's the right age to see that movie at. And I killed a fucking goat. Pardon me? I killed a fucking goat. <laughs> forgot that line it's been too long um i just reread the book the other day but that line's not in the book <laughs> the book's good movie's better and what else did we see uh we both saw i think we both saw secretary um there was a really good canadian movie we saw about massage parlors called robin tug and oh my god there were so many that we like the whole time we were friends we would just intermittently refer back to these movies that we I don't think that had happened to either of us ever in our young lives right that suddenly we just spent an entire long weekend watching movies constantly that other people who knew more about movies than we had had picked out for us to watch so it was pretty great um let's see oh and at one point in university we actually made a pact to move to Mexico together if life didn't work out (laughs) (laughs) um because I was studying Spanish, that was my minor in university. So I kind of wanted to do something with it. I just had this itch. I was like, I just want to get out of here. And I watched, I think, a few too many movies that kind of overly romanticized life in Latin America, because <laughs> that's what happens when you're studying Spanish. And he was into it. He's like, yeah, we'll just take, we'll just live in Mexico. We'll just go live in Mexico. Yeah. You know, cost of living is pretty low there. We could probably like hire somebody to who wanted to like you know, work for us to clean the apartment because we're bad at it and young and stupid. Anyway, it was, I'm glad it didn't happen that way, but at the same time, it's kind of a cute memory. And of course, Andrew's first foray into show business was when he was in Fredericton. He had the Johnny Everlove show mm-hmm. uh, on CHSR, our campus radio station, our version of CKDU yeah. up in Fredericton. And, um, and I remember my boyfriend and I, different boyfriend, um, my boyfriend and I listening on my stereo from my apartment to the very first episode. And like, I don't remember if we emailed in or called in with song requests. Anyway, it was great. We're, I was so proud of him. And around that same time, because it would have been my last year up in Fredericton, he he actually won a Valentine's Day poetry writing contest. So we were all given random words that had to do with Valentine's Day, like candles or chocolate. I don't remember what his word was, but he he turned his word into this rant about unrequited love on the spot. Wow. And it was awesome. <laughs> he kicked everybody's butts. Uh, mine was stupid. Um, and I'm sure it was good. No, trust me, it wasn't. <laughs> and 
I had a dumb word. <laughs> and let's see. And I had gone out west to go to school for a little bit. And then I moved to Nova Scotia or back to Nova Scotia, however you want to put it, in 2007. And Andrew had already moved back to or moved to Halifax at that point in time. And that's right when I met you. So you may mm-hmm. be able to start talking soon. <laughs> Feel free. <laughs> and... Yeah, so the rock and roll Halloween party. So was that the first time you met Andrew, do you think? That would have been about yes, a, now that I'm thinking about yeah, it, yes. Yeah, about two months right, after we yeah. started dating. Yeah. yeah. And he was dressed as the sailor guy from Turbo Negro. Yeah. And you were dressed as Alice Cooper, Alice and I was dressed as Slash. Yeah. Uh, and what do you remember? Um, as the night went on, progressively less and less. Yeah, That's yeah, you had a rough night. Um, but I think I remember, I remember getting there. I had all like my, my gear for my costume just in a bag and like in my backpack or something like the clothes and because you were going to do the makeup yeah, and you know, like a wig and a weird like top hat and everything. And, oh, and I had a, uh, a riding crop as well. I forgot about the riding crop. (laughs) And so I just, I walked into like the front or back door of the place we're living at and, um, I think like you were upstairs, like you just told me I just come to yeah. the door, I'll, I'll be upstairs, like whatever. So I came in, and I, I think he was already there. Like this is my oh, memory. and he had just got, and Andrew had just gotten an iPad, iPod Touch. It was before, it was like the year before the iPhone was released. He couldn't fucking shut up about his iPod Touch. Anyway, okay, I, I don't I remember, remember that. that. I remember. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm just like this is this is my recollection yeah. of that evening, which yeah. is as we've established, spotty. Um, yeah. And I, I kind of remember him meeting him there, like in the front entrance somewhere. And I, I think he was already in costume, probably. Which, yeah. Which now, now that you know him, that's yeah, not weird. weird. He comes yeah, early and he shows up prepared, right? Yeah, like, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's like, yeah, the first time you meet somebody, they're kind of dressed in like this weird makeup and gay sailor <laughs> outfit. Kind of cool. um, but I wish it meant more people that way. Um, but, <laughs> Yeah, and then you inter- you like formally introduced us, blah blah blah. We went upstairs. I got my costume, and you did the makeup, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then everybody got everybody probably except you got really drunk that night. Oh yeah, I was in charge. I was not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Andrew, I seem to remember getting kind of weepy at some point, like weepy drunk. That that checks out. Weepy. Yeah, and so um, did you actually. I you yeah, probably don't was, remember that. Part. I yeah, that's... you were like between the banisters of the stairs, as if you were in jail, and you're like, <laughs> "That was a medical professor. We love to you." Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, but I kind of went, went. Part of the Alice Cooper costume was to kind of go a little bit of method acting with it, which is like if you yeah, seventies Alice Cooper. Mm. Um, so something about purple vomit anyway it's 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 a, yeah many years ago and um yeah that's that would have been the first night i met andrew is him dressed in weird makeup as a gay rock and roll sailor yes perfect <laughs> and wonderful and beautiful oh but that was after we got back from korea right so yeah mm-hmm. 2010 we we got back from korea he was living up in clayton park and we were living down in uh, on South Street, and I was about to ask you what he dressed up as for our wedding party, but that was not a dress up party, so forget I asked that question. No, he's just wearing a, like a suit. Yeah, and, yeah, like a, yeah, like a, yeah. Uh, yeah. That was 
I mean, it was Hurricane Earl, so there's a power outage. So it was really nice that everybody even showed up. But, hmm. um, but I guess it would have been about a year after that that Andrew moved upstairs from us at South Street when right. when Lori and James moved away, and that was so great. I I can't I can't even count how many nights that you were working until nine. So I would like get beer from the fridge and maybe like bring poutine home or something and then go upstairs and like watch a movie with Andrew or we'd listen to music and shoot the shit. And he always had lots of beer in his kitchen anyway. So, um, but that was just an, it was so nice to have someone you like in your own building. That doesn't, yeah. There were plenty of nights where you like called me or text me like, come upstairs. Come upstairs. I'm already up at Andrew's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I suppose it would have been around the same time that Andrew first started doing comedy because I actually went to his very first comedy set. It was at a bar downtown. It might have been at the Lower Deck or something. I don't remember exactly which bar it was, but he was so nervous, but the writing was already really good. It was Mm. like you were just rooting for him because you could tell he had good material. Um, Because, you know, he did creative writing and stuff in university. He likes to portray himself as a slacker student, but there were classes that he cared about and put a lot of hard work into, like creative writing. And... um, and he, yeah, he, I just remember him kind of pacing and um, moving around on stage like a, a a ship on a ship on the tide. But uh, but the writing was good right from the beginning, so it was really nice to see him develop over the over the years. And then, of course, once he started uh, hosting the show at Gus's every week, by that time we were living on Canard Street already, yeah. so Gus's was just around the corner, so. I made a point of going like maybe once a month, right? Mm-hmm. So once every few few weeks to go see him. And uh, after a while, I stopped telling him I was going to go. I would just show up or not um, and watch to see what the advertisements were for it because it actually got a little bit annoying that if I said I was going, I would get a text message at 7.59 that said, aren't you coming? Are you here yet? Because <laughs> it was due to start at 8. Yeah. <laughs> and he would get up at the... Crack of eight. And not to, one minute later. Not one minute later. And let everybody know that there was going to be a comedy show in 15 minutes. But I had to apparently be there at 7.59. So, whatever. <laughs> and then, oh, <laughs> yeah, just a few more random things on this page. Um, so, not too long ago, I don't know if I told you this. Andrew made a point of either calling me or texting me to tell me that one day when I was zooming by on my bicycle by outside Gus's to go to the gym that another comedian was like, nice rump. <laughs> Which I really didn't care to hear. Um, and I, other things that had happened not, not too long ago, I had to drop everything and go help Andrew when he accidentally put diesel in his car. Did I tell you about that? You definitely told me about definitely that. Told and you I about think that. you vaguely I vaguely remember you telling me about the nice rump story. Oh, God. Anyway, it's just... Ew. Not a sexy word. Rump. No, it's, rump, right? Rump, like, it's, it's, you stick a fork in a roast. roast. Yeah, not, yeah. Don't, God. Yeah. Old okay. guys get... Just, yeah. yeah. And, and, of course, I'm really happy that Andrew came over to our host warming party a few weeks ago since we're in a new apartment. Uh, seemed to have a pretty good time. Some of... Andrew's interactions with party guests in the past have been a little bit antagonistic. So it was, nice, it was nice to have a party where everybody seemed to get along and, uh, and enjoy each other's company, right? Um, goofy stories and all that. I don't remember any specific, uh, anecdotes from the party itself. I think I was too busy playing hostess, but oh, and of course, I'm really glad that a few weeks ago I got to, so that the party would have been the last time you saw Andrew, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. 
Hmm. Um, I am glad I got to go see him at that. You you decided to retire early and I was going, remember I was going to treat myself to an evening downtown. So I went to, um, I went to go make my clock. So yeah. it's, always, it's nice to know now that my record clock that I made was made the, the last time I got to hang out with Andrew. And then I went to that, um, the intoxicated podcast show. So Sarah that I'm sending this video to is the same woman who does that podcast. And that was her live show. Yeah. And, uh, and anyway, we, we got to dance to Daft Punk in the after party and, uh, Andrew and his roommate Richard were both drinking that night. So I got to drive them home. They, they asked me to just drive them here and then they would get a cab from here. Like, well, it's probably easy to get a cab. Yeah, there's so many cabs in the West End. I mean, I yeah. guess there probably would have been a couple on Quinpool. But um, but anyway, I don't like to drive people halfway. So I drove them all the way home. And in the car on the way home, uh, Andrew and Richard told me about the deviled egg line. I told you about that, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So Andrew had this one-liner about deviled eggs that he couldn't get to work with an audience or didn't think he could get to work with an audience or tried it once and it flopped. So it's just, you know, the devil really lost his edge when he started making eggs and Richard borrowed it when he was in line at a, like a buffet for work and just said it randomly when somebody brought out a bunch of deviled eggs and apparently got a, an uproarious response from it. So it just, um, was it Andrew? Was it Richard? Was the person the problem? Was it the scenario? I guess we'll never know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, Let's see. Oh, <laughs> and then Andrew actually told me at the intoxicated party that as we were dancing to Daft Punk, that I was the person who introduced him to Daft Punk, which kind of warmed my heart. I was like, I, I forget over the years that I just forced people to listen to music. <laughs> and I, for, I forget who I forced to listen to which bands. Um, but Andrew's an easy mark for that one because he's always been very open minded about music and movies both. So um, music, especially, I've always really enjoyed forcing in Andrew's direction. So I actually, if I had to pick two songs that probably remind me of Andrew, this is so egotistical because they're both songs that I introduced him to, but that he really glommed onto. Um, so hopefully Sarah can find clips of them if, if she's interested. If not, that's fine. One of them is the song Pussy by Brazilian Girls. I don't, have you ever heard it? I probably have, yeah. So the chorus actually goes, pussy, 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 marijuana. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah, I have, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, and then also the song Lonely Entertainer. Lonely Entertainer. No one will talk to me. Um, who was the artist? Anyway, some unknown country folks, but it's just a spooky, gl- kind of gloomy outlaw country song mm-hmm. about... Um, a guy who's, I assume, like a honky-tonk singer or something. And he's talking about going from bar to bar and going on tour and not really making any money. And um, (laughs) I'm sure, I mean, Andrew likes that kind of gloomy outlaw country song. Mm. He always, or sound, I think he always did. But uh, he probably identified with that song because it's probably not too dissimilar from going on tour as a comedian and making five bucks and getting a free beer, right? Like, (laughs) and... And the very last thing that we were planning that we'll never get to do now, unfortunately, is that Andrew and I were planning a heat movie night to um, for us to go over to his place 
and watch the movie Heat with an intermission break, of course, because that's much too long a movie to watch in one go. And then I'd find I would have finally got time to to meet Bonnie the kitty. So, mm. yeah, but it's okay. <laughs> Eighteen years is a pretty good run. So, yeah, yeah, a lot longer than I've been friends with a lot of people. So, mm. yeah. did you want to say anything else? You really only talked about the party. Um, I mean, a lot of the stuff that you talked about is stuff that, like, I was present for. Yeah, so. you definitely remember things very differently. I remember yeah. broad strokes, and you'll remember, like, a specific detail about something. Yeah, I mean, I remember, like, when we were both living on So Street in the same building, um, we we seen it as this, like, weekly ritual. We'd go up to his place to watch True Blood. Oh, my God, yeah, I yes. forgot about that. Yeah. Holy shit, I forgot we watched True Blood with him. Yeah, yeah. At least is, a couple seasons. A of couple it. seasons yeah. or something like that, which is just <laughs> really funny to think of. Like that one, it's just. Been... <laughs> we all got together and watched this increasingly um... bad <laughs> show. show. Yeah. Like, oh my god! Yeah, I forgot we watched that with them. I, I, I think about any TV show that we've watched, and I always think of us just in bed with a laptop, right? Hmm. Uh, Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> uh, um, and of course, there was the party at his friend Mike's. And uh, Mike knew him longer than I did because Mike uh, worked with him at that blockbuster, right? Yeah. They were friends when Andrew was living in Sackville. And that was the party where he went as the the version of Michael Jackson from The Simpsons. Yes. Yeah. Which... Everybody who ever knew him wanted him to do that for years, mm. right? Um, with the hospital gown and all that and the shaved head. And we were uh, April O'Neil and Casey Jones at the party too. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, Mike had another party for Halloween like a year or two after that. And we went as the Sizzler sisters from – it was like the laziest, yeah, sloppiest costume we ever did from, from Kids in the Hall. From Kids in the Hall. Um, in the bathrobes and the and I still have that wigs. bathrobe. I still, <laughs> what did, as a bathrobe. What did Andrew go as for that party though? Do you remember? He was there. He was Bane. He was Bane. Oh, Sorry, Dark Knight. He was Bane. Oh, he was Bane. Of course, I said Bane like Bing Crosby. It's like that's a, ter- <laughs> <laughs> that's a terrible idea for a costume. But <laughs> he's Bane. Yeah. See, you remembered that, and I didn't. I just remembered the house coats. So. <laughs> um, I remember I met a cousin of mine at that party. There was a Gilroy there, or a guy who was part of my dad's family. Oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah, think I, yeah. I think it might be the same guy who works with my sister in Ottawa now. <laughs> um, anything else? You... No, I'm sure at like 3 a.m. I'll remember some random thing, but yeah. it's all at the top of my head right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah. I just remember, also remember thinking about Andrew that... Um, not so much a funny story, just an endearing quality of him is that, you know, he was like everybody, he fucked up sometimes and said things he shouldn't have said or said yeah. stupid shit or, or without thinking things through. But he was, in my experience, always open to, at least especially, I know when, when you would talk to him or I would talk, was yeah. open to hearing other points of view. Or open oh, to 100%, hearing, right? You know, that's if, I think that's one of the reasons that I never... Telling him, like, if he, okay, dude, here's why you fucked up. He would actually li- actually take that and listen to it. He was... Yeah, or here's where I think these other people are coming from, yeah. right? Um, I think that's one of the reasons that I never, I I never ever considered writing him off because 
because he always wanted to figure shit out and be better. Yeah, but nice. I got so many emails from him over the years. It's like, okay, I'm really pissed off about this thing. And from my point of view, here's how it is. What am I missing? Right? Yeah. 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 So, yeah. And, you know, as with anything, it's a process. So I could write him back a thousand words and he'd really glom on to like two of them. <laughs> Just, you know, better than zero. So, and then we'd have the same conversation again in a few months on something that was related to that and you know bit by bit um one thing i thought is was pretty has been pretty awesome over the years is it seems like uh andrew has gotten or got more and more comfortable about criticizing racism Mm. right like it seems like racism really especially the last few years has really gotten under his skin and he's been able to take a comedian's kind of analytical eye to that problem in a really effective way sometimes yeah like that was kind of where he had some some of his sharpest analysis, which is pretty good. It's great to see. Yeah. Anyway, again, thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Uh, it's it felt really good to brainstorm a little and think it through and talk it through and remember some things. Mm-hmm. I forgot one thing. Sorry, the audio is not going to be as good this time. We already put our decent microphone away. Um, when I met Andrew's dad, this would have probably been summer 2002 or summer two. Yeah. Summer 2002, probably. Uh, we were going, I think it was the same trip where we went down to Bridgewater and there was the dick pic and the digital camera. Anyway, we went to say hi to Andrew's dad at his apartment in Bridgewater and <laughs> no word of a lie. When Andrew's dad found out I was dating John, he said, what are you dating that piece of shit for? <laughs> And uh, such began the legacy of the men of the Vaughn family, uh, helping me to steer clear of inappropriate men. (laughs) But Andrew always really likes Scott. So next up, I'm going to include three clips from some of Andrew's comedian friends. Um, So I'm going to play them all in a row. And it's going to start with Matt Baker, who is fairly new to knowing Andrew. We're going to also have Chris Haleth, who's known Andrew about two years, I believe. And, of course, Martin Edwards, who was such a close friend of Andrew's and was his former co-host of Mega Comedy Mondays. Those two ran that show together for quite a while. Now Martin is the host, um, but these two were really good buddy pals, titty-sucking buddies. Um, They just had a really close friendship, so... So enjoy these messages from Matt, Chris, and Martin. What up, Intoxicated Podcast? Um, just making a quick video to uh, commemorate our good friend Andrew Vaughn. Um, yeah, tough. It's not easy to even make this, to be honest. But uh, I want to do it uh, to kind of pay tribute to him. So here's my Andrew Vaughn story. Uh, I was lucky enough to travel the... Travel coast to coast this summer telling comedy. And uh, every scene we went to, you know, you hear about staples in the scene and legends and the people that helped build the scene and, and make it what it was. And uh, in Halifax, Andrew Vaughn was one of those names. He was one of those dudes that was known as a heavy hitter, known as a guy that was really bringing the heat joke-wise and just also a staple in the scene for creating, you know, good comedy and helping build the comics as well. And uh, when we first got to Halifax, we did a show Gus's on Monday, and that's run by Martin and Vaughn. And I remember when we pulled up, we got out, we walked up to the front door, and we saw I saw Andrew. I hadn't met him at first yet, and uh, 
just see like this big dude just outside in like a wrestling t-shirt i'm pretty sure just smoking cigarettes he's got like forearm tattoos and uh chain wallet and like just baggy jeans and i was like oh fuck slick back hair i was like this guy's this guy's intense and then uh i remember i think we shook hands inside we didn't introduce ourselves outside i wasn't sure who he was at first and uh as comics i don't know we're always a little afraid to meet new people sometimes but uh i remember that night the first time watching him he just made me like shoot soda out of my nose because he was talking about how when he has sex it looks like two goalies fighting <laughs> And as soon as you said it, I could, I could not, uh, I could not contain myself. It was one of the funniest things I heard all the time, just because there's this big dude just like fucking owning it, and uh, it was hilarious. And uh, we chatted a bit after the show, and then I moved back, flipped times from forward, back, whatever it is, and then I moved out to Halifax in December and really got the chance to hang out with Vaughn a few times and. And work with him, do some shows together, and just share mics. And uh, he's he's just a legend, man. The people that how people talk about him in the Halifax scene is great. He's every scene across Canada has like a staple, or a person, or a couple people that have helped build it to what it is today. And Vaughn is one of those guys. Any comic who's new to the scene or fresh to the scene, like myself, we stand on the shoulders of these guys. We stand on the shoulders of guys like Andrew Vaughn. Because they've built the scene to where it is so we can tell jokes for other people. So he, you know, 10 years of comedy, wrote an album. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough loss. It's not fun. And, um, we, uh, last weekend I got to, <laughs> last weekend I got to host Yucks and, uh, you did a guest spot there. And we just hung out with me, Andrekin, and uh, Vaughn, and Chris and Finch, and a couple other comics up in the yuck suite there, and just chatted, and he was, uh, Vaughn was pretty drunk that night. It was just so funny to see such a big dude just act like a fucking kitty cat almost, because he's usually so intimidating. And uh, we was just loose and just doing jokes and chatting. And he, was, he was a big lovey drunk, too, so it was just funny to watch that, and... Uh, you know, we had a lot of chats, and he put me on some shows and gave me a lot of opportunities, and super thankful for that, and uh, just a great dude. And I remember when we were leaving that night from Yucks, I, I was catching the elevator down with him, and we were just fucking, he just said some nice things to me, and it was just like, fuck, dude, man. He's just one of those guys that, you know, like, he doesn't need to go out of his way to say nice things. He doesn't need to say shit, because, he do, you know, he doesn't. And if he dies, then you're like, oh shit, it means, it means a lot. So when we got out of the elevator, we gave each other a big hug. And it was like the first hug that I got from Vaughn was this big sloppy hug from drunk Andrew. And it was, <laughs> it was really good. And then the last time I saw him was uh, in front of Barely. He was just having a smoke, talking to his set. And uh, yeah, Andrew Vaughn's a great dude. I'm thankful that I got the chance to meet him. And I'm... Uh, Happy to know that he, he's going better places. Hey, this is Chris Halef, um, making a video. Uh, just wanted to pay my respects to the great Andrew Vaughn, a guy I've come to know over near, probably a little under two years now I've known him. Um, he's a stand-up comedian, touring comedian. He was based in Halifax. 
uh, recently passed away. Um, and I just wanted to make a quick video just to talk about, you know, my favorite Andrew memory. And before I even do, my heart goes out to, you know, anybody who's been impacted by this, his family, uh, his friends, uh, especially in this Halifax comedy scene, who's known him for years, people like Catherine and, and Dan Henrikin and Daniel and Martin and uh, <clears throat> Ian Black and Steve Mackey and Richard, his uh, roommate, of course, um, you know, I can't even imagine, man. Uh, I haven't, I don't, I don't know him as well as they do, but over the past couple of years, uh, I come to know Andrew a little bit and, uh, uh, you know, I haven't been doing comedy for that long, but he's, he was always really supportive of me from day one, which is funny because I even told him this too. Uh, I'd done his podcast a couple of times, which is to this day, I still have no idea why he had me on, um, you know, cause I'm new where I didn't think that like, oh, <laughs> I didn't think that I deserved to be on if that makes any sense. Uh, but, um, you know, from day one, he's just been really cool to me, man. And, uh, you know, I, I always appreciated that. And my favorite memory of Andrew was pretty much right when I started. It was, uh, the second time I did Gus's pub <laughs> and it, <laughs> everybody sucks when they start. Um, but I was particularly bad. I was a really shitty open micer. I still am, but like, you know, Back then, it was even worse, if you can believe it. And um, I remember it was my second set of Gus's, and I bombed so badly. It was I was drenched in sweat. I, I, you know, just made all the mistakes. I didn't run the light or anything like that. I think I finished like three minutes early, and I didn't even stick around till the end of the show. I was so. Uh, I was so defeated. I left immediately. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Um, and I just, I just went home and all that stuff. And, um, later that night I got a message, uh, from Andrew Vaughn. And, uh, at first when I saw it pop up, cause I, he was the one I asked for the spot. Cause at the time he was hosting the show. Uh, it's now Martin Edwards. But at that time it was Andrew. I messaged him for the spot. I saw a message from him later that night the notification i thought like oh fuck he's gonna he's gonna ream me out he's gonna be like ah oh, man you don't leave uh you don't bomb like you know what the hell is this shit you're awful this and i thought he was just gonna go off at me and uh when i opened up the message um he uh he said uh hey man just wanted to say like look like i know it wasn't a great set or anything like that but you know uh like there's there's good ideas there essentially and uh, he even gave me a tag for one of my... I had this shitty bit about drinking. I'm not even a big drinker. And I, I thought you had to write, you know, drinking bits or some shit. Like, anyways, I had this bad bit. And he gave me a tag for it, which was really cool. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, you know, and I asked him some advice. I was like, you know, how do I get past, like, you know, psyching myself out and all that shit before I go up on stage? Because I used to be terrified going up. And, um, you know, he gave me some great advice. And... uh you know, he didn't have to do that. Like, he could have just gone home and said, like, ah, fuck that guy. I'm not going to message him and all that shit. But, um, no, he took the time to message me. And I think that was, like, a misconception that some people had about him, which was uh, some people... <laughs> I said this to him, too, when I met... Like, when I did the podcast with him, you know, a few weeks ago, actually, I said, like, you know, there might be some people who think he's a bit of a grumpy guy. But, uh, you know, he's a softy, man. He was a softy. He was such a good dude and very generous... 
to newer comics when he saw that they were putting in the effort and taking the craft seriously. You know, he wouldn't just give it up easily, but when he saw that you actually were making an effort to get better and to, um, you know, follow etiquette and, and, and try to make people laugh and this and that, like, he would take the time to, like, you know, give you some praise for it. I've been talking to some of my, you know, uh, my friends in the scene about it, and uh, we were all on the same page. We held his opinion very, very high, very high. Um, and so when he gave us approval, like when he would give us like, you know, a pat on the back or, um, recently, like on the podcast, he said some nice things about me and and like, you know, I, I, I tried telling him on the podcast, but I didn't, you know, get my point across. I don't think, I don't think he really understood how much it means or how much it meant to get, you know, you know, praise from him and, uh, you know. I just wanted to, you know, make this video and just let people know, like, uh, he was a fucking great guy, man. Great, great guy. I'm going to miss that guy a lot. He, um, he definitely was helpful and he was nice to me when he didn't have to be like, you know, I'm not, I'm not like, I don't, I don't know. I just, uh, I feel for everybody who's hurting and, uh, you know, Andrew, like, you know, thank you for everything, man. Because quite frankly, after that bombing at Gus's that one time, um, that was like, by the way, like a couple weeks in. And um, I remember like going home and before I got that message, I remember thinking like, what are you doing? Like, you know, fucking this isn't for you. Like you might be funny with your friends, but you're not funny in front of people. And I was just going to stop. Uh, and he sent me that message. <clears throat> and it made me want to keep going. Um, and it took me, it took me a while before I, I kind of found a little bit of a footing, but you know, it was just because of his, like, you know, his like little push, like, Hey man, like, you know, keep going. Like, you know, don't stop. Just try to get better. This and that, um, made me keep going. And, uh, yeah. And I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. made a lot of great friends and I'm loving doing this. And uh, I'm just really, I'm just really sad that I'm not going to be able to see that guy anymore. Last time I saw him was, uh, I guess, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I was closing out the show, and he came, and he was, it turned out to be a great show, Top, like, I don't care, forget about me, just everybody else, like, there was, like, a, a full audience, and, and Andrew was hosting that night, and um, even my little brother, he said, like, because he's seen Andrew a few times, and he loved Andrew, um, but he was at the show, and he saw Andrew hosting that night, and he said, man, he looked like he was really having a good time up there, like, like really happy and I was like yeah man like he he killed it hosting that night and you could tell he was just ha- like having a great time with it and I was really happy he was because um you know I was closing out the show I didn't want to I didn't want to fuck it up or anything like that and I'm just glad that it ended up being an all right show and uh at the end of the show he came up and you know uh, he gave me a hug like we never hugged before but he gave me a hug and I was like god damn man like you know uh, thank you man like and he's like yeah good job and you know i'll see you soon buddy and i was like yeah i'll see you too and uh that was the last time i saw him so anyways i just wanted to make this video and you know pay my respects i love the guy i'm gonna miss him i'm gonna miss him a lot so uh to anybody who doesn't know andrew vaughn just type in andrew vaughn comedian not the not the canadian press photographer andrew vaughn comedian look up his videos 
absolutely hilarious guy and uh honestly it was probably just getting started you know he was great he was great i'm gonna miss that guy so andrew i love you buddy thank you uh thank you for being you one night hanging out at andrew von's apartment also known as tug tug studios i was getting to his place late on a friday night we were drinking smoking listening to third eye blind and i was bitching about work and people on the bus and all of a sudden I felt guilty. I was like, hey man, I'm sorry for bringing a negative tone to my best friend's place. We're going to be hanging out all night, crushing tall boys. I'm rolling a joint. And he just looked at me and went, with a massive amount of love in his eyes, just looked at me and said, don't worry about it, buddy. Let the hate flow through you. I fucking love you, buddy. When you were down, he knew exactly where you were coming from, and it suddenly didn't even matter anymore. Okay, guys, so up next, we have a clip from Lauren. Lauren actually used to work at Yuck Yucks um, and had an interesting interaction with Andrew Vaughn regarding some of the posters that she made. This is a really cute, funny story. Uh, I love this because it really speaks to Andrew's character of just being a very honest but well-intentioned guy. So big thank you to Lauren for sending this along. If uh, any of you saw my post yesterday about my beautiful friend Andrew, um, you would have seen one of my favorite memories with him was when I made new posters for the first club I managed and he came in and was like, who made these? And I was like, I did. And he said, they're really bad. <laughs> and I was young and inexperienced and embarrassed and annoyed and all these things but he was so nice he told me like I understand like where you're going for we chatted about them and he gave me advice anyway for a little while now I've been thinking about them like I think about them at least once a week and I think about how bad they are I can envision them and I always thought I should text him and tell him he probably wouldn't even remember but I did maybe he'd be proud that uh I don't know. I've grown so much. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, I found the poster. I went back on Yuck Yuck's Instagram and I found it. So I'll show you guys. Love you, Andrew. Okay, guys, last up is a clip from Intoxicated Reviews from Corey West, um, who actually had this on his episode last week. So you might have already heard it. But if not, here it is. Um, really, really nice message from Corey about how Andrew impacted him and the podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Intoxicated Podcast. I just wanted to start this episode off with a thank you. And that thank you goes out to Andrew Vaughn. Um, Andrew Vaughn. Stand-up comedian, um, podcaster himself, uh, part of the comedy scene, and not just as a stand-up comedian, but as a person who who expanded comedy in Halifax, who who uh, really not only elevated himself, elevated everybody around him in the comedy scene, um, all around just really great guy. And I say a thank you to him right now because he tragically passed away a few days ago, um, way too young. And I just, it's these things that kind of hit you maybe when somebody passes away that 
you don't realize till they're gone. But um, the way that he changed this this podcast brand as a whole, I'm talking about Intoxicated Reviews, and especially over uh, the original original podcast, Intoxicated, which Sarah uh, created, hosts um, the as a whole. He had such a footprint on 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 this podcast both podcast brands um he changed it and it's it's i just want to say thank you now because i never realized how much of an imprint he has on on both our podcasts me and sarah's and i don't mean to talk for sarah but i i know she she definitely feels that way um he was an amazing guy that's gone way too soon super funny and it's kind of funny just thinking back on him i can um i can just remember because i know he he, i uh, my friend childhood friend brian thompson knew him from the comedy scene brian being a a stand-up and and andrew uh, being a stand-up so i've heard of him and then he went on sarah's podcast and i remember kind of being kind of introduced with him no coming from two different um two different sides, two different friends, and two totally different uh, groups, and kind of being intimidated when I, like, met him, and I was like, this, just cheerily because I've heard stories about him, I've listened to uh, the podcast that he was on with Sarah, I've even, even before that, like, I've I've seen him do stand-up, but just never, never met him before literally sitting down during a... um, he was on a live stream and I remember being, like I said, very intimidated by him. Cause I was like, this guy's really funny and I'm here on this live stream and I'm not a stand up. I, I do this podcast. I have lots of friends who are comedians, but I was like, there was an intimidation factor, especially with a guy like Andrew who was so funny and so good at just ripping people and himself. And you know what? He was like the nicest guy and and that kind of got away. Like almost everything went away after I, I truly met him. And it's just, I only knew him for probably over, just over two years. But it it took a fraction of that time to realize how great of a guy he was. And even though it was such a short period of time, I almost really kicked myself for not taking advantage of his kindness. And that may be terrible to say right now. But um, not taking advantage in a way like we'd all after I got to know him, we'd talk and he always had ideas for the podcast and 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 stuff and like always willing to do something like he just loved creating entertainment on on any level, like his boys club podcast that he started with uh, Travis Lindsay and Dan Hendrickson. He put so much into that like as much as he put into his his comedy career he really liked performing and he really liked entertaining people and he was just up for it like anything every time i run into him i'd be like hey we should do this anyway it's recently just a quick story um uh sarah put together a third anniversary for intoxicated live show that was going to integrate stand-up comedy and a few skits in there and i remember sarah's like to me was like hey like intoxicated reviews definitely has a segment on this show and i'm like awesome and i was 
trying to get something together and trying to come up with a really good idea. And I was coming up with things here and there, and then I was getting, like, I saw the lineup of comedians, and I'm like, well, I'm going to be in between all these comedians. I started to get cold feet, and eventually I went to Sarah, and I'm like, you know what, Sarah, like, I maybe, like, there's so many good people in here, and, and she's putting together, like, super stressed, but, like, putting together the show, like, and had it down to a science, like, cut minute by minute, like, what's going to go on. And I, I saw how great, this this was shaping up to be and um i told her i was like i saw her rundown and i saw all the great people on it like she had like i said she had down to a science and there was intoxicated reviews my segment and it changed i was trying to come up with some good ideas and i i eventually went to her and i'm like i i don't like i i don't think i can contribute it's cool like maybe just give my time to somebody that's like funny and then sarah totally talked me down she's like intoxicated review should be on the show it's like it's such a part of the intoxicated brand and you should do something and i was like okay so she and then she's like you know what i'll check we'll get we'll see i'll see if vom will be on your your segment and i was still trying to figure out what it was and i was throwing around crazy ideas um and then like a day later she's like no vaughn's in like whatever you're gonna do He's in on your segment. And I remember, maybe, like I said, I had cold feet because there's so many funny people there. And also, like, I I haven't been on stage, really. Like, that's not kind of my thing. Like, and the segment went on. We did a Mary Fuck Kill on the, on the third anniversary. And I, there, and eventually I did have a bunch of other funny people on it. But the moment she told me, the first person to confirm, she's like, yes. Andrew Vaughn's going to be on it. I can't explain the wave of just the wave of like anxiety just kind of went away that I had kind of on me. Like, and it's this weird thing where I'm just like, I know he's going to make it funny. And I know he's, he's the type of guy, like this may sound weird, but like when you have like a person who's that funny, I know he was he'll go out there and make it good for everybody. He's not going to try to steal the show. He's just tr- going to make it as funny as possible. And I, the way I kind of envision in my head is like, no matter how bad I'm going to make it, he'll drag me through to make it funny. And um, and he did. It was uh, we had some other funny, like really funny people in there, but like almost out of the gates like just like the moment we're on stage joke and then i think i came in and tried to give a a couple quick anecdotes to be funny and i got like some indifferent chuckles and then he just ramped it up again and and saved me and um yeah that's um, it's just the type of guy he was and um And I know, I I truly feel terrible. This is a terrible a terrible thing that happened. And um, I know he has some amazing friends, uh, some really close friends, and also family that are hurting right now. And I just I I'm, I feel so bad for them. And I know there's nothing I can say that's going to make it better. 
And also right now is it's such a hard time with everything going on in the world with uh, the COVID-19 virus that people just can't be together or we can't celebrate Andrew Vaughn at this point in time. And I know that's so hard, but hopefully, and I say hopefully, but it definitely will be when we get a chance to all be together and celebrate the man. I I think a lot of people, the Halifax comedy community as a whole, his friends, his family can start healing. I, I, I really, as, as we're all kind of socially distancing right now um, and just kind of being isolated, I, I found myself the other day just looking back on, on a few messages that, that he sent me. And it was one of these weird things. Like we were only like, at this point we did a few live streams together and out of the blue, just, I get a message from him and he basically was just like, Hey, have you seen this terrible movie? I think you should do it on your podcast. And it was just kind of this weird thing that started this rabbit hole of, of us just going back and forth about crappy movies that, that we liked. And that continued every just in once in a blue moon. I just get a random message being like from Vaughn being like, Hey, I just watched this terrible movie. You should totally do it on the podcast. And it was stuff like that. Like it was just kind of a joke and it was kind of a, the one kind of thing we bonded over. But even in that way, when I say, well, I'm trying to say thank you to him. Like he watched the movie knowing like he just in a weird way, like, yeah, he's, trying to just say, hey, what's up? Check this out. But also, I took it as, hey, here's something to help you out. This is going to be good. Like, I just watched this thing and thought about you. You know what? Go out there and, like, create. Do do this podcast. And from sitting back and watching Facebook, looking at Facebook, and and, and seeing the messages from people, he really, the people that surrounded him, the comedians that surrounded him, he really was so encouraging to them. And in a weird way, I took that as him being encouraging to me. And, uh, yeah, he was, uh, like, he actually sent me, like, looking back on those messages, he sent me this great idea that I'm going to, that I kind of half forgot about because I'm just terrible at stuff like that. But I looked at him like, no, this, I have to do this now. It's such a great idea. And, um so I will do that on on the podcast eventually at some point. Another thing I, I want to mention is that um, Andrew Evans has started a GoFundMe for funeral expenses and memorial expenses for his family. If you can, it goes a long way right now. Also, obviously, I... I don't really want to also speak for what I think Andrew would want. But at this time, just knowing him as a comedian, as an entertainer on many platforms, he probably would hate that he's making this many people um, sad. So maybe make let him make you laugh by 
he's got lots of stuff online to watch, but also he has a um, a CD. I know it's on iTunes that you can buy. I don't know where the money goes to the point. Hopefully it goes to a good place. And you can buy his comedy album, um, Too Fat to Go-Kart. Also, um, it is on Apple Music to download. It's impossible for the people that know him, and maybe even for people who didn't know him, to not be sad. But at least give him the opportunity to make you laugh again and check out some of his stuff online. Um, This episode is dedicated to you, Andrew, and thank you so much for the positive that you gave to me, to Halifax, to laughter in Halifax. Okay, guys, so I hope you enjoyed those really nice messages for Andrew from some of his friends. And now we're going to get into some clips from the podcasts that he's done on Intoxicated. Um, I had a lot of footage to go over, so there's only about four clips, but I tried to pick ones that you guys would really like. Um, Some really good sort of tidbits of knowledge about comedy and really nice clips of Andrew. So obviously I recommend listening to all the episodes that he's done because there's a lot and uh, they're all amazing. Um, It's funny because when I was putting this together, I kind of had this moment of you know, thinking about what my favorite memories of Andrew are. And I realized that a lot of them are on this podcast and were caught on film, um, bonding with him and learning about comedy and just shooting the shit for hours about things um, is definitely my favorite memories of him. And um, this first clip is from a more recent episode. It is from episode 145 two-part episode that we did. Um, This clip in particular is from the first part of the episode, which is all about comedy and sort of harsh truths and lessons learned in comedy. And there's tons of really good insight in this episode. It is very honest insights. It's things that I'm going to carry with me for a long time. So I think that this clip happened towards the end of the episode and it's a really good one. And especially if you're in comedy, I think you will appreciate this next clip from episode 145. I always say stand-up is not therapy. Yeah. But stand-up can make you, can be very therapeutic. Does that make sense? Yes. It's, it shouldn't be the soul. I think you have some things in your life. It's, it's not that I don't want you to <laughs> never do stand-up. I think you have some things in your life that you need to get your head around first. Before doing it. And I'm just telling you. I love you, the carefulness of what no, you're No, no, no. I'm just trying to think of the words I want to say. Like, like I don't think stand-up is going to help you with those problems. And I'm not saying that that's why you would do it. I'm just saying that, like, I would rather see you try stand up from an honest desire to do it. Yeah. As opposed to things are kind of shitty right now. Hopefully this will make things less shittier. No, 100%. And that's that's my only objection. My only objection no, for you doing so. I, and I but I've come to that conclusion on my own. Uh-huh. Is the is is the crazy thing about it. Um and that's not to say that I don't think I could mm-hmm. if I really tried. It's to say right now um the ideas I have and how I want to work with in the comedy scene is to help enrich it, help it grow, help giving comedians a a chance to come here and do this to get themselves out there Mm -hmm. i want to be the behind the scenes person i i i don't think i have a place on the stage i think i think i appreciate a very good promoter because i think you could you have the 
personality needed to contact places and yeah. be a front person. Yeah. But you have also been so ingrained in the scene that you understand the struggles comics go through. Yeah. And you wouldn't fuck anybody and you wouldn't. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not trying to say don't ever do stand up. What I'm trying to say is like, I don't think you're in the right place to start now. No. And you've said it before, mm-hmm. and off mic, so I'll I'll say it for yeah. you on here. But you've said you've been in this a little too long for it to be bad. Well, that's the other thing too. It's like we're, we're such good friends. If you're gonna go out and <laughs> eat a dick, like I'm gonna have to tell you you went out and ate a dick, and that well, just makes it awkward. Well, that's just it. I don't, um, and I also just think that there's a lot of things I want to do still that I'm focused on. Uh, and I and I see it in the same way as honestly like dating and shit. I don't. It's the furthest thing from my mind right now. I got so much. What do they say about dating? So much going you, on. You don't date until like don't expect dating to fix the problems in your no. life. No. So don't expect stand up to fix the problems. And I I'm t- not saying that's what you're doing. I'm just saying like. No, I genuinely I don't think know. it will, and I don't feel comfortable yet. I don't think what I have is that good i don't want to see you do what i see a lot of young women do when they get into stand-up comedy and this is going to be a little controversial because i said young women yeah i don't want to see you sex material no it's not even sex material do as much sex material as you want it's it's like i don't want to see you use this as a tool to talk about your frustrations with dating as stories on a weekly basis yeah no I don't want to see. I don't want to see another fucking female comic <laughs> get on stage. And I, you know what? Fuck it. I, I let's backtrack. I don't want to see another female or male comic get on stage and tell me what about they did this week. Yeah. Unless you're Travis Lindsay. Yeah. Or you're fucking. Unless you're an established comic who yeah. knows how to take that story and twist it into something that's funny. Absolutely. This is not journal. This is not live journal live, where you fucking no. read your thoughts. This is not no. therapy. No. This is not these. The, at the core, these are jokes. These are jokes. At the core, these are jokes. Yeah. And I'm I'm sorry if you wrote eight paragraphs in your journal and you think that's a set. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Yeah. yeah. And and I think too, um, being the person who's like, okay, I'm not going to use stand up as therapy. I'm going to go get real therapy, mm-hmm. figure myself out, get that self awareness, mm-hmm. and make it smarter so that when I do do it, the it comes from a smarter place. Like I always wonder, I always wonder what's newer comics. Like obviously, I didn't know what setup punchline was when I started stand up comedy, right? But what I, we, me and Andrew Evans were talking about this the other day when I started writing comedy, when I decided I wanted to try it. I started writing comedy. Um, I instinctively knew what that was, even though without being told, like I, because I watched yeah. a lot of comedy. I mean, you consumed a lot of when it. I'm talking, people don't understand. Like when I, and I think I've said this here on this podcast, like the reason why I fucking love comedy so much and why it means so much to me is because my entire life I was wondering what was that thing that meant so much to me. And when I finally fucking found it, it fit like a glove. Like it right. just clicked and everything started making sense. Yeah. Things started like lining up in my brain that I never even thought of. And yeah. I started thinking back to the first stand up comedy I ever listened to. I did a radio show in university where I played stand up comedy albums. Right. Like, like, and when I did that, I didn't play them because I wanted to be a stand up. I just liked stand up. You just loved it. 
So yeah. it was once I started doing it, I went, that's why you did it. That's why you fucking, that's why you watched this bit over and over again. That's why you watched a special over and over again. That's why you had that radio show. That's why you did all these things because you fucking love it. Yeah. That's why it did. And I just, I just want to see that passion in other people. Right. And the effort. And when you tell me that you, like, and, and sometimes I miss it. And sometimes I have to, like, honestly, like, fucking when you had Adrian Gabriel on, like, I learned so much about that woman. Yeah. That made me go, like, yeah, there is shit there that I didn't see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, and well, she that's... was talking about her early comedy stuff that she liked. And I was like, oh, my God, that's kind of similar. Right. She brought up Eddie Murphy. I mean, I talked extensively about how Eddie Murphy and Andrew Dice Clay were the two comics that made me fall in love with comedy. Right. They're not my two favorite comics of all time. Right. But they're the two that made me fall in love with comedy. Right. And I just want to see that in other people. I just want to see that passion, that passion. fucking desire, yeah. that knowledge of the history, that watching. And it's not, well, it makes me feel good, so I go and do it. Yeah. I you know, know, I just. I know. I know. Yeah. And then there's a the volunteer people. at an old folks home. Like, I don't yeah. know what to tell you. Like, I just. Yeah. <laughs> Be an Instagram influencer. Yeah. Do that. Yeah. I yeah. just, you know, I, I, but would you say, cause it's interesting how some people, um, it's interesting the different trajectories that comics can take. Cause sometimes people are like, I just thought I'd try it. And then I, and then I totally fell in love with it. And then I, and that's, and, and then, that's and then, fine too. And then I there's no another, problem with someone who fucking is like, you know what? I'll honestly admit, I don't have a huge history of love with it, but then I started doing it. And then I went back in time and I watched this and I exactly. watched this and I did this and did that. I'm like, it still happened. It didn't happen in the same yeah, it way. Just, it happened in a different way. Not all of us live the same life. I just don't yeah. think it's, if you're someone who wants to do it consistently, wants to get better at it, wants to eventually start getting paid for it. How could you not do your, like your research? I hate to yeah. say research. That's probably not the right term. Yeah. But Learn more about it. Mm -hmm. Watch more specials. Mm -hmm. Open yourself up to other types of comedy. Yeah. Like, because the more you do that, the more it's going to craft that skill. Mm -hmm. And you will get better, yeah. hopefully. That's that's just how that's, I feel, right? Like, the, and, the, and like you said, the, the yeah. actual passion for comedy. Not the passion for attention. I guess my problem is, is I relate comedy way too much back to wrestling. Yeah. Like, I've been a wrestling fan my entire life, and I've read a lot of, like stuff about wrestling i've listened to interviews with wrestlers and one thing a wrestler hates is a guy that walks into the locker room and they know that guy just wants the fame right they, they don't want to put in the hard work they don't want to pay the dues and you know what that reminds me of i'm gonna call it out i don't care we're at the end of this long episode if you're listening to this you earned it you earned it i'm not gonna coast if you're this. a fucking person who has done a couple mics and you put comedian on your you're, Instagram you're or your Tinder. You're a piece of shit. I don't. Stolen Valor, you're a piece of shit. Piece of sh like, yeah. don't do that. No. That is First ridiculous. off, I'll add to this. If you aren't a touring <laughs> headliner, delete your fucking comedy account. I don't give a fuck about your comedy account. I'm not going to follow it. I'm not going to like it. Unless you're a fucking touring headliner, there's no fucking reason why you should have a fucking Facebook page or a separate Instagram account. It's bullshit. Mm -hmm. You're an open fucking micer. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Okay, I, I got too mean there. I didn't mean 
This is like truth bombs. This is here. like, but, but that's humility. You gotta have humility. You gotta be humble. Oh, the humility you humble, is. You know? Yeah, and I mean that's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and again, you know what? I that whole rant I just did about. Don't listen to me. Keep no, your page. No, I wouldn't say that. No, Who gives a shit? That's your you opinion. Know, it's my opinion. It does. It's Here's the weight. thing. I, and I've said this, like, you've been around the scene a long time. You've been doing comedy a long time. You've got to give yourself a little more credit. You know, you know some things. But I just you feel know like some I things. come own, off as just a crotchety fucking angry Own man. that you, like, own that you know it. Yeah. Own that you owe it. Own that you know it. That's a hard. And don't get me wrong. These are not things that I came up with. These are lessons I learned by watching, by being around, by being directly told. These are things I've learned. And I say don't have a this or don't do this or do this and don't do that. I ain't just pulling it out thin air. These are things I've learned and I'm trying to pass on. And people would agree with you. Yeah. Other comics at your level would agree with you. Hopefully. I think so. Like... But but this is this is the divide, right? There's a clear divide between when you're new versus when and to those new people, they're the new freshmen in high school who are scared to talk to the senior. Mm-hmm. They are like like uh, from their perspective, they're terrified. Yeah, but I try to do my best to be as open as possible. Like you want to have a conversation with me about you know right. where you're at. I want to be as open as possible. But you have to understand in that openness, there's going to be some. Some things you do, that you don't want to hear. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absol- that, yeah. That's what you would get if you were to have an employee review. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when you work somewhere and you have a review. It's the same thing. Do you want to be uh, spoon-fed something or do you want a harsh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. the only way you get better is harsh reality. Spoon-feeding something, sugar-coating something is not a way to get better. Not a way it's to do it. It's just not how you get better. And trust me, I if you if anyone hears me say this shit and they're like, "Oh, why is it going to say this shit?" I've had shit moments where it's been painful lessons to me. I've had those too. Yeah. But I've understood that I needed that lesson. It just hurt. Yeah. But some but what's Buckley's? Tastes awful, but it works. But it works. Um that episode uh, that I listened to today with the psychologist on Doc Shepard, they mm. loved him so much and they were very complimentary to him and he was like, Okay, so we're gonna end the episode. You need to tell me one piece of critical feedback that's mm-hmm. not positive. And they're like, We can't think of anything. We'll have to put it in later. And was well, that the shield? Because they don't wanna Well, that was it. And he was like, You that's not fair. You need to give me that. You mm-hmm. it's not like you need to give me that one piece. Your wife has a better career. <laughs> <laughs> I love the two of them. Why am I shitting on them? No, it was the guest. <laughs> so the guest was the one asking for feedback. Oh, it was the guest? Yes, yeah, so the psychologist oh, oh, was because okay. they were very much so like, thank you so that much for coming on. That would make more sense from a psychologist yeah. thing. Okay, that, yeah, yeah, it totally yeah. makes more sense. Yeah. And then like they had to think of something that was a little more critical and negative to give mm, them. Okay. This is this is the thing though. Like I'm I'm like this with friends. Like I love talking about what's wrong with us. I love talking mm-hmm. about that. I think that that's a great thing to talk about. Not everyone wants to actually face that though and And you know what like i ultimately just want comics to be as good as they can be i want the shows to be as good as they can be i want the scene to be as good as it can be that's where all of this is coming from it all comes from a place of love is not doesn't come from a place of hate i say a lot i hate this comic and i hate this comic hate's just a word it's not a feeling to me it's just it's just a word of frustration even if your style of comedy when you're newer is not my style of comedy, I am 
able to go, that person is doing good. And then that, in a way, is a really good compliment. Mm -hmm. Because that says, you proved me wrong a bit. Yeah. You proved me wrong to the point where I had to say, yeah. I have absolutely no problem being wrong. My problem is I want people to give me the opportunity to be wrong. Like, I... like. You can't have an opinion anymore. You have an opinion about anything. And then all of a sudden people are like, you shouldn't say that. You shouldn't. It's like, prove me wrong. Just prove me wrong. And I know. If, if you prove me wrong, I'll tell you you were right. Okay, guys. So this next clip is from the very first episode I ever did with Andrew, episode 76. This is a story he tells all about when his cat died, which is kind of a famous Andrew Vaughn story. If you are friends with him, you know he loved his his cat um, that died. And then a comedy show actually happened in honor of the cat. It's a really good story. But this story also kind of leads into some discussion we had about joke writing and his process and, and all of that. And also a really good part where he talks about his family, his mom and dad. So I thought this was a perfect clip to kind of show the softer side of Andrew Vaughn and that big heart of his. So enjoy this next clip from episode 76. But I don't know, man, like my cat died in October and like, I've been like, like I I can't, I I can't even look at pictures of other cats without like feeling like I miss my fucking cat. Like, so like to me, it's just like, I live a weird at everyone's like get another cat. I'm like, yeah, but you know what? Like there's a part of me that misses having a cat, but there's another part of me that like if there are days where I'm like, shit, it's six o'clock and I've been home all day, I gotta get home, spend time with the cat, make sure that she's like, you know, cool. That I don't have that in my life anymore. So there's a part of me that's like uh, I do have a cat. Kicking I had this cat for like fifteen, sixteen years. I love this cat to death and, and uh yeah, this was a great so ass cat. Hard. Yeah, man. It was like I can't imagine when when I woke up one morning and she was like, I'm so used to her being like right there when I wake up. I'm sorry if I'm making this too depressing. You can tell me that. (laughs) There's tissues there for a reason. (laughs) But, um, she, she wasn't in my bed and like I was petting on the light and she didn't come and I'm like, that's, it's kind of fucking weird. Mm -hmm. I know I know she was alive, but she wasn't moving around that much. Then my mom comes over. I call my mom. My mom comes over and uh, my mom starts going, I think any moment, man, I think she's going to be done. And then my mom puts like a blanket over her. Like like a towel, and my mom goes, "Yeah, I think she died." And I'm like, "Mom, I guess her eyes are open and she's still breathing." I'm like, literally, I can see her chest moving up and down. Like like she's not. Mom's like, I don't know. I think I'm like, are you trying to kill her before she's dead? Like like I'm like, fuck off. So then uh, my mom was oh like, "Well, God. let's. What do you want to do? You want to wait till she dies, or you want to take her to the vet?" And I was like, well, take her to the vet, see what the vet says at least, right? Like, yeah, like, just get it checked out. So we took her to the vet, and the vet was like, we were there two weeks ago before, because she'd lost a ton of weight, and I couldn't figure out why. That's like a first sign yeah. kind of thing. And yeah. uh, the vet was like, man, her heart rate's really slow. She's like, she oh. will die eventually, or we could, you know, do the thing and hurry it up. And, like, I was an emotional wreck, just like, did, did you put it down? Oh, I was, yeah, we put her down. Oh. And I was like, I was tears kind of. Coming out of my, like my, she's like, do you want to be in the room when it happens? I was like, fuck no. Like, oh, I was yeah. like, I, my mom okay. stayed in the room, but I was like, I can't, like, you know. I, I often think about that because I have a cat, Mindy. I don't know where she is. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I, I'm just like, I just don't, yeah, it's, I, I just, I want her to outlive me. 
Yeah. <laughs> I know she was. Oh, yeah. And, 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 it's just such a sad thing. So so I'm, I go out in the waiting part of the vet, and I'm bawling my eyes out. And then, like, literally, there's a guy at the cash register talking to the, the, the girl. like, And he's like, he had to put his family dog down that oh, day. Oh, fuck. And he was like, yeah, I just don't know how I'm going to tell the six and the eight-year-old at home that the dog's not coming home. And that sort of, cl- like, it didn't stop my sadness, but it made me go like, fuck. He's got to go home and tell two little kids that the dog's not coming. You know what I mean? Like, I just got to go home and deal with the fact. You just have to deal with the sadness yourself. Exactly. And be alone with it. And uh, I was supposed to do my, like, I have a show every week at Gus's Pub Monday nights. And so I was supposed to do it that night because she died on a Monday. And this was so weird. I had this Halloween thing. Like, it was, like, I was going to dress in costume. I had bought snacks to give out, like, the thing. (laughs) <laughs> and I contacted my my co-host Martin Edwards, and I was like, "Man, I can't make it tonight. You're gonna have to do it." He's like, "Absolutely." I turn. I found out they turned it into what they called the Dead Cat Show, what? where like every comic got on stage and talked about my cat and the fact that it was sad that I wasn't there. And the Travis gets up and he goes, "So he goes, I just want to let you guys know, I fucking hate cats." <laughs> he goes, but I loved that cat so much. <laughs> just like when I found out he said that, I was like, oh, oh you gosh. sweet son of a bitch. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. And so I sat at home eating a whole bag, a, a box of uh, fun sized cheesies while listening best. to like, uh, I remember, you ever hear that Warren Zevon song, Keep Me in Your Mind a Little While, uh, Keep Me in Your Heart for a Little While? No. Yeah, it's, uh, Warren Zevon's a great rock and roll artist. When he was dying of cancer, he wrote a song about, like, oh, just remember me for so Like, shit. I'm listening to this song, Crying, Eating Cheesies. My roommate comes out. He's like, what the fuck, man? I'm like, the cat's dead. Just give me a night. I, I, I don't blame you, and I would 100% take a day off work. Like I, it, I would do the exact same yeah. thing as what you did. Yeah, but I, you know, I, I love. That was the first aunt pet I've ever had that was like super fucking attached to me. Like I've always loved cats, but they're always very super in- independent. Like this one was like, <laughs> I was just like, I don't care. This one was like, was I'm she on a lap you all. cat? Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. on me all the time. She was a barn cat when they found her, right? So she was like abandoned. So she is like, like she wants to know you're there all the time type of shit so but you know i had 15 Me. 16 years so yeah, <sighs> it's all good yeah that's that's a good life yeah yeah that's a good fucking life yeah yeah and i got a three minute bit about it so they, in the end it all worked out <laughs> you got some comedy on. how what's your process with comedy so like like how do you like obviously it's based around your life yeah, yeah. but how do you write jokes i guess is my question um it's two different ways that I can write jokes. Most of the time, my writing jokes comes from something that I'm thinking in the moment. Then I'm like, how can I make that longer? Here's a perfect example of like, this is a new joke that I'm working on. I mentioned I went to a gay wedding yes. the other day. And uh, I did this first time I did it on stage was the other night and it went pretty well. So hopefully it's like, but I got to build on it. It's just that uh, I was like, well, the part that didn't go well was I was saying about how, like, I like saying it's a gay wedding because I like seeing the reaction on people's faces. And if the, if you give me a look like you just smelled like like moldy bread or then I'm like, I don't want to talk to you. You know yeah. what I mean? Because yeah. I'm like, you're not. But you could go. Aww, yeah. So, and, uh, so I did this thing where I said uh, I was as like, you can't joke at a gay wedding, though. You just can't. People are too sensitive. It's like I said to say, 
woman came up to me. I didn't know who she was. And Justin and James are getting married. She's like, are you here for Justin or James? And I just went, ah, neither. I just felt somebody should speak for the Lord. And, like, like, and I was like, that's how you don't get invited back to a gay wedding. Like, 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 so, like. To me, that's the joke writing is like, I ha- I never actually said that to somebody, but no, I threatened, he- like, I told my friends, like, this is what I should tell everybody when I get there is that I'm here to, right. or that I only came to boo or like, like just something like, you know, ridiculous. It's uh, an aspect that you add to it. Yeah. So like that yeah. thought pops in your head and then you go home and you're like, how can you expand on it? How can you do tags to the joke? How can you do callbacks? Shit like that. Uh, or there are times where I will sit down and be like, all right, I got my phone's turned off. I'm not at home. I got like a big mug of tea or coffee. Yeah. And then you just you sit down write and you out. intend to do it. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Damn. But like, I always wonder about the aspect of it. Of like, I'm you know I might write stuff in my phone yeah. that I think is funny, <laughs> but it's like how the fuck do those things transition into one another? Yeah. I you think, know what I mean? Yeah, like that's no. so much of it. I think sometimes to be to be completely honest, sometimes the shit that gets laughs, yeah, I don't even know why. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think it's funny when I wrote it, right. but I'm like, I don't know why anybody else would think it was funny. Right. <laughs> like, it's so much testing. Yeah. It's well the the best the best analogy I ever heard about stand up comedy when it comes to like, and this is what people this is what people got to fucking understand that come to open mic comedy shows. If you're not going to a comedy club, you're going to an open mic comedy show. And if you're going to an open mic comedy show, you're going to hear some rough shit. Mm-hmm. You're going to hear shit that's really good. You're going to hear shit that's dog shit. And it's not good. But if we started a band tonight, we would practice forever. And then when we did our first show, say we were doing five songs, we'd have those five songs ready and we'd nail those five songs. You can't do that in comedy. No, fuck you no. have to, your <laughs> practice is in front of other people. Yeah. And a, a person I used to know said Besh said if if the Rolling Stones had to fucking from the minute they started had to do every practice session in front of an audience, they may have never became the Rolling Stones. So true. We're comedy, we have to do that, right? You have to do that. So people come to open mics, they hear shit and they go, Oh, that offended me. Ugh. Well, this might not be done. It's not a like like, like <sighs> Like shut your mouth! Like I get it. I hear shit all the time that open mics that I I find to be poor t- poor taste. But yeah, those it's people just don't last. not for you. Yeah, yeah. But don't to maybe someone else in the room. It's for that. Yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah, I try to make a point of letting the audience know, like you're gonna find some shit really funny. You're gonna find some shit not so funny. Yeah. But that's the point of yep. tonight. You go to Yucks on the weekend. You should find all of it funny. And if you don't, that's the comic's fault. You know, like like. That's yeah. very, very true. What about bombing? Mm. Is there an art to bombing? Oh, bombing is so much fun. <laughs> it is, man. Like, like, it's so stupid to say that. Like, why would you ever say not doing well at what you're supposed to be? The thing, it's fun for me now because it doesn't bother me anymore. I'm like, right, like, you've been I'm doing it like, so long. How long have you been doing comedy? Uh, almost nine years. Crazy. So, like, uh, like, I started, well, I'll be entering my ninth year in a couple weeks. So I started August 31st, 2010. Wow, you remember the date? I remember the date, especially because August 31st is my mom's birthday. Oh, (laughs) by the way, okay. (laughs) 
you mentioned your mom. Um, when I, I was a very close relationship with my mom. The roast yeah. today. Yeah. I had it just playing. Yeah. And I thought it was fucking great. And uh, it like YouTube autoplayed like one of your other videos. Oh, uh, okay. And I saw the video of like I made a mother's a, a mother's cut of cut. my album where it's just yeah. like it goes. How's everybody doing tonight? Anyway, you guys have been great. Have a great night. I laughed so fucking hard because I was just like, I relate to that so yeah. much. I love my mom. My mom is my mom to me is one of the greatest Aww. fucking people I've ever like. Like like my mom. Like my dad is a great dude. My dad is, uh, but my dad, my dad love my my mom didn't think she was gonna have any more kids when she started hooking up with my dad. Like I have a brother and a sister, but the, my brother's ten years older than me. My sister's twelve years older than me. Oh wow! My dad was about five years younger than my mom, oh. so it was kind of like one of these. They were Accident. fucking. They were fucking for the fun of it. Like Accident. I mean, I don't. It's weird to say, but it's true. They were fucking. They just liked. They, they liked fucking each other, and uh, she got pregnant. And my dad always told me she cry- She bawled her eyes out in the fucking doctor's <laughs> office when, when our doctor told her she was pregnant. But and my dad's always been a part of my life, and he's always tried to help out financially as much as he could. But he's been a physical laborer his entire life. There's not a lot of money in that shit, you know. Right. And my mom, at one point, was working a job, going to school, and raising three kids basically on her own. Because the other two kids' dad fucked off, wasn't even oh, in their life. Okay. At least my dad was in my life. You right. Know? Uh, Are they still so, together? Your mom and dad? No, they're but they're yeah. super close. Like they're oh, super cool. good friends. Like like, uh, and uh, I just I, I don't know. I've always just like really admired what she sacrificed to make. Every, not even just our lives, but everybody around her's life it's work really well. A level of self, yeah, selflessness. Yeah, um, that is like there's nothing like. Now it. that being said, I refuse to let her listen to my stand up comedy. <laughs> <laughs> That's why there's the mother's cut. <laughs> my mom just recently found out about the podcast. Mm. I kept it. I kept it from her for a long time. Oh, I could tell my mom I do a podcast. She would have no idea what that is, <laughs> and I would just be like, "We're leaving it at that." And then my dad was up recently because I had him up to visit. I bring him up once in a while and uh, he saw my mics and my stands and everything. So what's that for? I'm like, it's a podcast I do. And he goes, what's a podcast? I'm like, it's like online radio. And he's like, okay. <laughs> my Easy. dad, I, can I, look, I feel like, I feel, first I want to say, I'm sorry if I, I bogart a lot of the time. I just like talking, but. Uh, Dude, this t- is what the show is. I'll tell you this funny story about Talk my dad. Yeah, tell so me I did a show. Uh, in Bridgewater where I'm from on my dad's birthday when he was living in Bridgewater and there were 10 people in the audience <laughs> and my dad already told me he wasn't going to come down that night he had seen me do stand up before but he was like uh, you know, I'm probably going to be drinking earlier during the day I'm not going to come down and see the show so I'm headlining the show in my hometown with 10 people because clearly <laughs> I was loved and respected in my hometown and a huge draw so I get on stage and I go, hey, you know, it's my dad's birthday. We should call him up on my speakerphone and wish and sing happy birthday to him. Uh-uh. So I get my speakerphone up, put it up to the microphone, get dad on the phone. Hey. I go, hey. He's like, aren't you doing a show? I'm like, yeah, I'm on stage right now. I just thought we would all sing happy birthday to you. <laughs> my dad who's drunk goes, just do your act. <laughs> <laughs> I went, Okay. <laughs> my 
dad also is very super supportive and loves me, but in that moment, he was like, just do your act. I was like, fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't want any part of this. No, he's like, I would have come to the show if I wanted attention. Otherwise, go fuck yourself. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. It's tough, though. It's it's a weird thing with parents because... You, you mean, I mean, I don't know, like, are you close with your parents? Yeah, I'm very close. Okay, see, I'm not. I'm, uh, my, like, I see my mom many times a week, like, she's, I mean, she got a fucking key to my apartment. She's, she's just really? That's yeah, so cute. Yeah. And, um, and I, like, I talk, like, I don't see my dad as much, but, like, I do love, my dad's, like, one of those guys that's just, like, he wants to crush beers and get all lovey-dovey and be Aww. like, oh, you're my best friend and, like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> And, uh, no, I love both of them, man. They, like, my dad worked 30 some years of job, physical labor, busting his ass to get fired because he was too old to keep doing it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's a work ethic. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I respect the fuck out of them both so much. It's hard for me to talk, tell them that. Like, like, you know, it's hard for me to even ask advice or like, uh, support from them sometimes because you're just like, I was having a conversation with a friend about it the other day. So you, you, because the issue is, is like, you don't want them to feel like they, like, if you need, like, hey, I need 200 bucks. Can you help me out? You don't want them to feel like they failed as a parent. No, that's exactly. Because yeah. they're supposed to get you ready to the point where you're not in that position. Where you're not asking for yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. To get you out of binds. Mm-hmm. But like, sometimes you gotta. Yeah. I would some... rather go to, f- I would rather fucking go to parents than go to friends. Yeah. To be honest, I would never ask. Yeah. If I was in a bind, I would not want to ask friends for two hundred bucks. Yeah. And the thing is, like me and my, like me and my dad, I'm my dad's only kid, and uh, like my mom and I are really close. And I just, uh, I don't know. Like I think, I think when she got over the fact that she was going to have another baby at that age, like she had a little more money to do things for me than she did the other two. Right. Like not a crazy amount, but like, like she took me to Disney World when I was twelve. <gasps> Which is like she wanted to take the other kids, but she never, she could never afford to do it. That makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, so, like, and now they're 20, like, if I was 12, they were 22, 24. Right. Like, so, you know, whatever, right? Like, they, really well, yeah. they might, but. Well, they've gone, like, I don't know if my sister's actually gone. My brother's in the Navy and he makes good enough money so he can go as much as he fucking wants to go. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, but I don't know. We just have this really, like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I, I, I have a hard time talking to her sometimes about things that I would like to talk to her about. Mm. But, like, when I do need to ask for advice or something, she's very, like, you know, like... Okay. Yeah, she's a very, very, very smart woman. Okay, guys, the next clip I have for you is from episode 109, where Andrew and I are talking about self-deprecation and just the the amount of work that goes into comedy off stage, as well as... We kind of touch on Andrew's habit of buying things online, which if you know Andrew and if you've been in his apartment, you will understand. But uh, you're also a self-deprecating person. Yep. And so am I. Yeah. <laughs> Do you get a lot of people telling you to stop being self-deprecating? Not as much anymore as I did when I first started comedy. Like, yeah. If when I first started, it was like, oh my God, you really don't like yourself. Like, Right. Um, I mean, I think it's all, it's just a disarming technique. It's like, I'll make fun of myself so somebody Before else Before you get, yeah. exactly. But I don't think that, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, 
I don't think anybody tells me not to. I mean, now I'm in a group where it's just of people where it's just like, who can make fun of the other person the best? So it's kind of hard oh to be like, God. you know, like, like you should tone it down, dude. It sounds like you don't like yourself. Like it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like that. I like that. There's a. <laughs> I like being friends with comics because they get it. Like they get the self-deprecation and like the yeah. jokes. And like when I do it with other friends, they're just like, Yee. and I'm like, oh, I hate it when people I don't. don't like when that. people think it's like, oh, that's sad. It's not sad. It's a fucking joke. It's a joke. Exactly. Shut the fuck up. Like, but is there any truth in the in the saying that there's like a small kernel of truth in self-deprecation? But yeah, jokes? but I mean. But that, but what is the small kernel of truth? Like, well, like you making suicide jokes all the time. Yeah, but it's because the small kernel of truth is I, we could all check out at any moment, and I'm fine with that. Right? You know what I mean? Like, like if so. It's you, not as a dep- it's not as depressing as yeah, I, what people think it might be. I mean, I have a lot of things I would like to do in my life, and uh, but if I did die tomorrow, and there was some sort of afterlife, which is not going to be, but if there was. And I had to look at a book with some old fucking white dude, which there's not, but let's just say that there is. And, <laughs> and I'd have to go everything that I did in my life and say, do you feel satisfied with what you did up to this point? I would say, yeah, there's some things that are un- left undone, but I'm satisfied. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I still have a lot of stuff I want to do, but I don't have... Uh, well, you've been doing... But you've been in a career doing something you love for 10... years. For nine, nine years. Yeah, yeah. That in itself... Yeah. Is amazing. Yeah. Because you don't, would you? Do I've you, never been happier since I started be, being a comic. And like, do you feel like it's work? Uh, no. It's, I said that to somebody the, the other day that I, I hate that corny sentence of, yeah, yeah. You'll never work a day in your life if you're happy. Do, but I don't feel like I'm working. I mean, sometimes I joke when the audience is bad. I'll go, time to put on your work boots, boys. Like, this is not fun tonight. <laughs> this is work. Like, well, there's there's businessy after the show, and then you're like, this isn't work. There's businessy you know? aspects to there definitely there's, it's definitely to a comedy, job. And but. well, here's here's the issue too. I think a lot of comics love joking about how it's not work. Mm-hmm. That when uh, non comics go, oh, you like ah, oh, is this a hobby or is this a job type of thing? It's like fuck you, man. Like we're the ones who get to say that. Like, yeah, like, we're yeah. the ones who get to poke, poke fun at it, not you. That's true. I do so much work for my job that I don't get paid for. Right. That it would it would if I could legitimately sit people down and explain to them everything that comics do just to make themselves good enough for that $100 they get for 20 minutes, you would never put in that dedication That's true. to a, to a normal nine to five job. You would go fuck you. I get paid to be here from nine to five, and from that, suck my dick. Yeah, you would never do that. Yeah. But we go home and we spend hours looking at. Does this word go here? Does this thing go here? Does right. this sense not to be said? Does this joke go before this one? Does this one go before this one? Like so much work. And can you imagine if you clocked all those hours? Yeah, like there, it would be a lot. It'd be amazingly. Yeah, high the number of unpaid hours you get for what you do is your job. Right, people yeah. don't think me sitting at home writing is my job, but it is my oh, job. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, y'all should be getting paid for but all these hours. For that, Nobody, I don't know. You know like, it's yeah. an ideal I world that I'm dreaming. The club to pay me for the hours I spend working. Well, I guess on the only job. way that you could do that is if you were like working on a TV show or something. Like you'd be, you know what I mean? Like if you're a writer on a TV show, you get paid when you're writing those shows for yeah. sure. But that's not the but, reality for a lot. So you know those people that are writers on those shows, 
They spent many hours in their house writing jokes they didn't get paid for. You do a lot of work in comedy, so when you get paid eventually, it's for the work that you for. did that you didn't get paid for. Right. Whether it's lined out like that or not. Like, people sometimes find out that I make $500 for 20 minutes and like, oh my god. I remember a trivia one night, <laughs> I made a joke about it to this team. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, I just made $100, uh, $500 for 20 minutes the other night. And this girl went, marry me. And I went, this is not an all-time thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is not like every day I'm making 500 bucks for 20 no. minutes. Why the fuck do you think I'm going to Boston pizza on a Thursday? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not here because I like you guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, and not only that, but like you might you might get a lot of money at once or if you have like a really good month mm-hmm. and, and then the next month it would not nothing. it's it won't be as good. And so you yeah. have to learn how to make that money last and and theoretically. And, yeah, theoretically. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm terrible at it. So. Well, you, you I buy stupid shit all the time. You love st- <laughs> Stupid oh shit. boy! So do, do you have, have a portion of your budget that just says that, stupid shit? I like how you said I had a budget. That's the best part. <laughs> don't even have one of those. Don't I mean, know what they are. I don't know either, and I should. But you're right. It is. It's, I, I here. I think I said to Travis on our podcast. I gotta stop saying treat yourself because, like, yeah. How many times a day can you treat yourself? <laughs> treat yourself. Treat yourself. It shouldn't even be every like, day. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's fucking, I don't know. Like I, I bought this chain that Let me looks see this so chain. much bigger online. Oh, it's so dainty. And I got it. It's so small. Oh. And I don't know why I bought a chain in the first place because it's such white trash thing to do. Yeah. But I had this envision like I was like. I just I, I think I said you a, like a pimp. I, don't, I think I, I said at Beerly's the other night like because I had this hat on. I always wear this hat. I had this hat on. I had that hoodie on. Uh, you know, this chain hanging out over a gray t-shirt and I said I looked like the lowest level mob enforcer <laughs> like if I was on the Sopranos I wouldn't be big pussy I would be no pussy <laughs> <laughs> like, and I don't usually put bits on podcasts but that's I love that's that well we're at the jokes end on podcasts. Yeah. whoever heard it yeah. deserves uh, to hear it Okay, guys, the last clip of this episode is going back again to episode 76, the first ever episode with Andrew. Um, I love this clip so much. This was kind of right at the end of the episode. So I'm telling you, some of the best stuff is at the end of episodes. It's crazy. Um, in this clip, we actually talk about having that innate sort of desire to perform and kind of where that came from for him. He also gave a really awesome shout out to two friends of his, Martin Edwards and Andrew Evans, and talks about the idea of how sort of Andrew Evans helped bring him up in comedy and that he helped bring Martin up. Just a really sweet sort of uh, clip of him talking about friendship and comedy. And of course, um, this is classic Andrew talking about pain dues. And, and he actually gave a really solid piece of advice for anyone thinking about starting comedy. Uh, I haven't I've I've told very many people this. It's, it's not like super embarrassing, but it's like a little embarrassing. That's right. As uh, I remember, like, you know, I talk about people before that always like try out different things because they feel like they're supposed to do something special. But like... When I was a little kid, like, yeah, my mom was dating this guy in Bridgewater, and, and he had this garage, like, this big garage, like, not, like, two-car garage. We're talking, like, a mechanics type of, like, giant, and he'd have, like, army trucks in, he'd work on them and shit. But when you open the fucking doors, it felt like a stage. Like, it felt like a curtain coming up from the stage. Cool. And, like, the, 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 uh, the concrete felt like the stage, like, edge. 
And I just remember I used to spend like days out there like playing music and like dancing around and singing to it like as yeah. if I was like performing the song. Yeah. So I've been something about like that the draws you performance that drew me to. I to did that too. Yeah. When we we were building a deck like on our house. Mm. And I used to go out and do the Spice Girls thing. Yeah. <laughs> like get a hairbrush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, I think it's just in some people to do that. Yeah, for sure. And I think that you like, I mean, now as a comic, I walk into places and go, oh, you could do a show here. Yeah. We, this could be, if you put this here and you had the audience, that. that'd be a show there. Because like, there's an aspect to what you're doing. Because mm-hmm. you're a comic, but you're also obviously like you host shows. Yeah. Um, there's event planning in that. Like you, you look at spaces and you say, yeah. Okay. Like, like this is what it's going to look like. Yeah. These are all the details that are going to, like, that's a talent that not everyone has. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, you know? the, the, the booking and putting together shows probably is the most stressful part of the, oh, the whole industry. I can imagine. But uh, mostly, too, it's like, because, like, I, you know, I book paid shows and I put my friends on them. Right. I want them to have a good time. Right. It's not just about a payday. I want them to walk away going, I had, I had fun doing that set tonight. Exactly. And that's very hard sometimes. very stressful. And it's also, there's just certain people that are meant to be encouraging to others. Yeah. Um, people who are meant to pump other people up and say, like, you got that thing? Like, you're, you're kind of good at that. Do that and be the fire to those yeah. people. You know what I, I mean? Love, I love, I love, I love doing that to other comics, man. Yeah. I love, like, uh, like one of my, one of my really close friends over the last couple of years is Martin Edwards. And, and I fucking love that man. Like, his, I, his, Totally different style of comedy than what I do. Right. And, uh, but I think he's hilarious. But I also love his dedication. Like, he co-hosts Gus with me. I do one week, he does the next week. And I just, I really like him, man. I think he's very funny. He's very dedicated. And I like getting in a chance I could do, like, uh, one of the first road gigs he got to do was because I asked, like, can I bring somebody with? Like, like, like there you, go. you know, it was like... I love shit like that. I love being able to help back and like, Connect, like you're a connector. Yeah, yeah. I love being able yeah. to look at a comic and be like, "You're fucking funny." You just need the right because yes. people have done that shit for me. Like the only reason I get to tour Ontario is because my buddy Andrew Evans, like, like the absolute comedy clubs I play, he's been playing there for years, mm-hmm. and he vouched for me. That's the only fucking reason I get that shit. So fucking talk to people who are doing the mm. talk to people who are doing the thing that you want to do. If I could, like, um, I'm, if that. I could give any advice to anybody that's yeah, really seriously doing comedy, let's do it. Um, just a, just fucking do it. Yeah, you gotta just do it. But before you start doing it, and I know it's hard to find out what is going on in your city, even if you Google it, sometimes it's hard as fuck to find out. Go to shows first. Yeah. One of the things I tell all new people who've never done stand up before, like, go see a show, introduce yourself, yep. talk to the person who runs it get out there because it makes them seem instead of you just messaging them on facebook can i get stage time it makes it feel like you're putting a little more initiative into it by showing up first you're getting the vibes of yeah. the room and like and then you just go and you do it and, and you keep doing it and you keep working on it. don't worry about writing new shit all the time that's oh yeah. i fell into that trap right when i first started you really are trying to learn how to be comfortable on stage yeah, that's a huge one. And you keep doing that shit and, and just like, but my biggest piece of advice is like a lot of new comics are doing this lately and I don't understand it is they think that a year in means that they should be 
headlining. Right. And it's like not so much. No, man, you got to pay your dues. Like like Brian Thompson like Brian and I joke about this all the time now, but about how hey, Brian. when I started yeah, there was the back of the room at the club and you didn't talk to the back of the room at the club. You waited for the back of the room to talk to you. Sign of respect. Right. And Thompson was what I considered part of that back room. And he goes, we didn't see it that way at all. I don't know why you're like, <laughs> like, like I don't know, man. We had this like speak when spoken to mentality. Oh. And I think that's super important for new comics to have is speak right. when spoken to. Like, it doesn't mean you have to be afraid of the other comics, but like, if you, if you've done two sets and you try going up to a guy who's been doing it for nine years and try to tell him how to, how to do the business. Oh, fuck. Fuck you. No, like, no, like no. you keep, even it's okay to have those thoughts, but keep them inside. Keep them inside. <laughs> keep them buried down yeah. deep. So like that, the other, the best piece of advice I give anybody that ever wants to do with comedy, and it's hard for me and I struggle with this all the time. Treat comedy like a marriage. It's the best piece of advice given to me. It's not my advice. Yeah. You do. If you're having a rough time in your marriage, you don't go on Facebook and start shit talking your wife or your husband or your <laughs> fiance. Yeah. You yeah. deal with your own shit personally and privately. That's so true. Treat comedy the same way. Okay, guys, that's a wrap on this week's episode. This podcast tribute to Andrew Vaughn. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope it provided some laughs and some comfort um, during this time. And once again, I am thinking of all of Andrew's friends and family right now. It's just so freaking hard. But um, I truly do think that us together will heal each other and help each other through this. And as for you, Andrew, thank you for being such an amazing friend of mine and a support in my life and um oh boy you've had such an impact so i miss you and i love you buddy and i also hope to anybody listening that um if you're a fan of the show and if you're someone who enjoyed andrew vaughn go see live comedy um he would want you to do that um he loved comedy so much and so that is a small thing you can do to sort of carry on the legacy of Andrew Vaughn. Um, make sure you do support live comedy once it's back up and running. And we're going to close off this episode with a couple minutes of a set, um, his set for my live show. So I think he would want you guys to hear him doing what he did best, which is stand-up comedy. If you want to hear the whole thing, it is on YouTube. So do make sure to check that out. Make sure to buy his album, Too Fat to Go Kart. And that's it. Um, rest in peace, Andrew Vaughn. And thank you all for listening. Some good news the other day. I'm not fat anymore. Found that out. That was some nice news, yeah. I went in to buy a pair of jeans, looked at the size, and it said, relaxed fit. Apparently, I'm not fat. I'm just very fucking relaxed. I went into the doctor. He's like, you're morbidly obese. I'm like, nah, dude. I'm just fucking chill. Which is a joke. It's Nova Scotia. I don't have a doctor, so. Yeah. You know what I do have, though? $75,000 in debt to the government of Canada for student loans. Yeah. Student lo- I'm an English major. That's it. I feel like they should have asked me what I wanted to do with that fucking money before they gave it to me. They're like, Mr. Vaughn, what do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know. I want to read some books. they will be like, well, here's a library and a bus pass. Knock yourself the fuck out. <laughs> Prepare for your future. I'm not paying them back. Fuck that shit. That's on them. Sometimes you gamble, sometimes you lose. You know what I mean? 
The CRA needs to learn when I walk away from the table. I was a bad investment. That's a... I went to St. Thomas University in Fredericton. And the reason I went is my buddy was going. He called me up. He goes, you got to come, Andrew, because the women outnumber the men four to one. I don't know if you guys have ever been in an area before where the women outnumber the men, but here's what will happen. First, the women will scoop up all the attractive men, and they'll start dating and hooking up with them. And then, when all that's left are men that look like me... The rest of the women will just fuck each other. That's what they'll do. They will not settle. And they shouldn't. I am no catch. I had women in university treat me like leftover food in the refrigerator. Like, they were hungry, but when they opened up and saw me, they were like, you know what, I think I'll just eat out tonight. I think that's what I'll do. Justeatout.ca Skipthedick.com I'm branding. Branding. And I don't want to pay student loans back. They're calling me. I don't want anything to do with them, right? So what I did is I created a soundboard of quotes that I can play that I don't actually have to deal with student loans. They're all quotes from somebody else, and that somebody else is the rapper DMX. DMX is a very bald, aggressive uh, black rapper. He barks, one of my favorite in the entire world. So student loans will call me up. They'll go, Mr. Vaughn, we're here to talk about your student loan. I click a button, and DMX goes, here we go again! <laughs> You ever going to pay us back, Mr. Vaughn? I click another button and DMX goes, Suck my dick! <laughs> yeah. One woman, why, why you got to be so mean? I clicked a button and DMX goes, I'm not a nice person! <laughs> it's one of his lyrics. I'm not a nice person! It's because white people don't really listen to him. He gets super fucking real. Like, there's one of his songs where he's like, I can't afford my mortgage. I'm like, yeah, it's fucking tough, DMX. It's tough in the hood, you know? I love rap music. I listen to rap music exclusively when I drive because it hypes me up, makes me feel tough. I'm not tough. It's nice to feel tough once in a while. When I'm driving and I'm listening to rap music and I'm getting hyped up, I think of the movie Boys in the Hood, which I'll explain to the white people in here. It's, that, <laughs> it's a movie about boys who grew up in the hood. And Ice Cube is in it. He's got my favorite line. He sees a woman with her baby on the street and he yells, Get your baby out the street! <laughs> and when I'm driving in my car and I'm getting hyped up, and I see a woman with her baby in a stroller on the street. All I want to do is yell, get your baby out the street! And one day I was hyping myself up. I'm like, I'm going to do it, man. I'm going to fucking say it. I'm going to make it happen. I pulled up next to this woman. I rolled down the window. I leaned out the side. She looked up at me and said, hey, get out your mom's minivan! It's like, touche, mom's driving. That was a bad <laughs> I want to be a rapper. Uh, I came up with a rap name. It's Two Bread because it looks like I ate too much bread. <laughs> I can't be a rapper. Rappers are tough. Rappers fuck. The only thing I fuck are my knees when I walk. Like, I can't. <laughs> I did write a song, though. It's called Straight Out of Options because that's what I am. <laughs> Straight Out of Options. Crazy motherfucker named Two Bread. Been 15 years since I got head. That's about it. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> 